Oh, welcome to Trinity Western University. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, as everyone knows, in response to COVID-19, we're sort of doing a little different thing here with the chapel podcast, so no physical chapel, and we're not sort of having sermons in the studio, but we're definitely uh, just having some conversations, and uh, the person that's up for a conversation today is myself. Uh, I figured today what we would talk about is preaching. Uh, I have been in ministry for a number of years now and still feel like in many ways a novice um, as it relates to preaching. I think there's a, there's a problem when preachers begin to feel that they're experts at preaching. Uh, God is the one who sustains you. God is the one who moves you forward in preaching. And if you ever go to a place where you're not relying on him uh, to really do the heavy lifting in your life, um, in your preaching ministry, I think uh, there, there's a problem. So I figured we'd talk about preaching. We are serving uh, the God Almighty, uh, Jesus Christ. We are serving a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so even in light of a calamity like COVID-19 and, and other things that will happen in life, uh, God is constant. He is the perfect picture of consistency. And so I figured, yeah, we just center our time down on him today as it relates to proclaiming his word. So I figured that I'd begin with uh, Romans 10, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 15. This, uh, especially the latter part of this, is probably very familiar to, to many of us. And so, so this is Romans uh, chapter 10. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Verse 5, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? Or who will descend into the deep? But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here it is, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So, yeah, I mean, today I figured, again, I would just talk about this good news, this this great gift of, of salvation that we have and, and the, the task of, of sharing it with people. 
Um, I, as I mentioned before, have been in ministry for a good little while now, but I did not intend for it to be that way by any means. Um, I have a background in spoken word poetry uh, all throughout uh, undergrad uh, at the University of Maryland. I was a competitive spoken word uh, slam poet. And so, you know, back in the day, uh, basically, I went up and down the eastern seaboard of the United States uh, in these these slam competitions, you know, writing poems and performing and, you know, kind of hoping maybe one day that I would be on some huge stage as like a, a, a poet slash rapper. Um, that never really worked out. I can't freestyle. And uh, I like music, but I'm not someone that can create in that kind of way. And so eventually, uh, I became a Christian at 20 years old in college, my, my third year in university. And uh, that was a, a huge thing in my life. And uh, I was a website designer for a number of years. So I worked at uh, the Washington Post, I worked at uh, National Public Radio, and then USA Today, I was just, you know, someone who worked behind the scenes, had a little cubicle. Uh, at USA Today, for example, I worked 11 at night, until seven in the morning. This was, you know, back when the internet was was a newer venture uh, on the scene in the world. And so uh, there was just a lot of moving parts all the time. And I enjoyed what I did. I was good at website design, but uh, the schedule that I had was um, just not not the greatest. Uh, you basically feel like a vampire. You're, you're staring at a computer screen um, up at night while everyone else is asleep. And then you're going home, driving home during the day to sleep all day while everyone else is at work. It's a it's a weird kind of thing. You're you're basically yeah just just living this this kind of uh, crazy life. Um, so I was doing that and uh, kind of minding my own business. I'd only been a Christian for you know I don't know four or five years at that time, and a uh, little thing happened, which uh, I think sometimes we don't prepare students for. Um, I got I got laid off. I got laid off. So I got a. a, a you know, kind of last hired first or, or last uh, uh, first fired, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, when you get laid off because you're the, the first person uh, that gets a pink slip because you're the last hired first fired. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, and so I had to kind of find a, a new job. I had to kind of scramble. And, and I really wasn't mad that I had gotten laid off uh, because I was I was kind of getting burnt out from website stuff anyway. And so I was kind of, you know, really thinking like, man, like, God, there's got to be something else you want me to do. And so um, I've always loved uh, kids. I've always been really good with little kids. Even even right now, if you you know brought me like a little baby, I'm I'm down with babies. I'm really good with babies. Um, some people might call me the baby whisperer. Um, you can bring me some toddlers, um, you know, little seven year olds. I'm I'm good. I'll get on the floor and play trucks with them, and you know, and throw them in the air and go on the jungle gym and all that kind of stuff. I I, I eat that stuff up. And so I figured, hey, I've babysat all my little cousins growing up, and. Um, I'm just used to being around kids and, and, you know, feel pretty good at that. So I said, hey, well, I'll become a pre-kindergarten teacher. There was a, a new uh, school that was opening up in this this urban part of, of Washington, D.C., not too far from kind of where I went to school and, and was very familiar with the area. And they needed teachers for this this new Christian school that was starting. And so I, I got a job as a teacher. I taught pre-kindergarten um, at this school. So I had a classroom of 15 uh, four and five year old kids to myself every day. And, and I'll tell you, as much as I love Trinity Western and other places that I've served, um, probably even till this day, uh, that was like hands down the best job I've ever had. I mean, it just was awesome to play such a pivotal uh, role in the lives of these uh, primarily uh, African-American little children. 
uh, to be, you know, sort of a role model for them, uh, to break up fights, you know, because, you know, Genesis uh, was not really trying to share her dolls with Grace. And then Grace was really not trying to, you know, uh, share her, her, her other things with, with someone else. And so you were just always breaking up fights, which, um, interestingly enough, actually prepares you for ministry with adults. Uh, because that's what you end up doing sometimes in churches. Come on, somebody, you end up uh, just breaking up fights between grown people who should know better. But that's another uh, conversation perhaps for another day. So I was teaching pre-kindergarten, really thought, you know, I could maybe make a career of this. Uh, but something happened that really got my attention and moved me in a different direction, which is I'm going somewhere. This is how I get to preaching. So I uh, probably three months into the school year, I had gone through all of my sick leave for the entire year. In three months, uh, in three months, I had uh, probably had strep throat four times, and in three months, I had pneumonia twice. And so, you know, I just was every other week hopped up on a different antibiotic, trying to trying to get well. And I feel like I'm I'm doing you know good for a couple of days, and then I'd get sick again, and I'd be kind of down for the count. Um, but I I really didn't want to you know miss my students. I wanted to be be around them, and and so I would you know I was still working, I was still teaching, and, and being there every day. Um, and, uh, and the little kids, I mean, they were fine for the most part, you know, they got these immune systems that are very elastic and, and they could kind of bounce back and they'd get the sniffles and pass it to someone else. And so they were fine, but I was, I was dying. And I was like, man, I think these little kids are going to kill me. I'm just, I'm just going to die as a, a infant, you know, pre-kindergarten teacher. I just, I haven't even got here three months and I'm, I'm just going to like pass out one day. And so that really was the catalyst for me finally doing what I should have done a long time ago which is really solicit God, ask God for clarity about what I should do with this life that really is no longer mine. It's a life that he has gifted me, that he has, he has given me, that he bought for a price uh, to ask him, you know, God, what do you want to do with this life that, that, that you granted me? And so that's what I actually started doing finally as I was getting so sick and kind of just frustrated with that process. And so I, I just really asked God, you know, what, what is it that you, you created me to do? You know, you formed me or you knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. And so you, you, you knew, you know, what I was going to do, you know, what you have in mind for me. And I just asked that he would make it clear. Um, I didn't, I didn't ask for a specific medium or mode by which he would make it clear, but I just said, make it clear to me. And, and as best as I can, I'll try to do whatever you reveal as best as, as best as I can, can figure it out. And so uh, just one moment after another, over a series of, of weeks and months, it just seemed like uh, God was, was doing just that. He was making it clear that he wanted me to, to, to enter ministry. Um, and for me, uh, particularly in a kind of black Baptist context that I come from, uh, a call to ministry is first and always a call to preparation. And so whether that means seminary is a you know, whole other conversation perhaps, but, but it just means you don't just jump into you know, oh, I'm, I'm now minister so-and-so or, or I'm going to pastor a church. It's like, no, 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 you need to learn from some other people. You need to, again, if seminary is, is the path, you need to go to seminary or have some kind of further education to prepare yourself um, for this, this monumental task of, of shepherding people um, in ministry. And so uh, that's what I did. I, I started seminary and met my wife around that time, and we got married. And as many people here at Trinity know, um, we have moved around a lot uh, because of my career in ministry. Uh, in 13 years of marriage, we have lived in, in Texas. We've lived in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland, Georgia, Washington, D.C., uh, Michigan most recently, and then now here, uh, at least since, since September, uh, in British Columbia. And 
you know, it has definitely not been an easy road, but it's been a road that is, I hope has, has pleased God as I've just tried to uh, be obedient to his call to serve in, in a variety of different contexts. So um, all that said, uh, I, I can say now with confidence, with humility, but with confidence that, that God has made me a preacher. It's, it's not, uh, again, what I selected for myself, but um, it's a, it's a, a, a calling that, that, that God sort of uh, put upon my life. And, and as best as I can, I want to uh, be faithful with, with exercising those gifts. Um, if anyone is interested, you know, probably one of the, the most seminal books that has uh, impacted my life in part because of what is in the book. So the content itself is great, but I also was um, mentored by the author and the author's name is Dr. James Earl Massey. Uh, the book uh, came out in 1998 and it's called the burdensome joy uh, uh, of preaching. And um, uh, Dr. Massey was just a, a stalwart preacher. I mean, he is someone who preachers know well. Um, he's a preacher's preacher or was a preacher's preacher. He passed away a couple years ago um, in, in his late 80s. Uh, he was married to his wife for something like 67 years and, and just uh, took an interest in me uh, when I started seminary at, at George Truett Theological Seminary at Baylor University and uh, was fortunate to stay in touch with him over the years. And uh, he just was a, a great resource. And um, I, I mentioned him just because I think uh, it's very easy for people who preach to try to imitate uh, those who they admire, and and that's not a good way to go. So as much as uh, I'm very grateful for Dr. Massey's influence in my life and his continued legacy for so many people who were impacted by his books and his ministry and and really just his friendship, uh, I don't want to be like Dr. Massey. Um, I don't want to sound or try to craft my voice like Dr. Massey. The reality is that even if I tried, it just wouldn't work well because he's doc- he was Dr. Massey. Um, and, and likewise for other people who, who I admire in ministry, I think you have to kind of find your own voice and be comfortable in the, the shoes that God has given you. Um, another person I would recommend, another book uh, is by a, a, a man. He's a professor um, at uh, Candler School of Theology at Emory University, and um, his name is Thomas G. Long, and he's the author of a book called The Witness of Preaching. And in this book, he writes this. Preaching does not cause Christ to be present. And just because somebody stands and says, I have a word from the Lord, does not uh, whistle Christ into the sanctuary. Christ, he goes on to say, is not present because we preach. We preach because Christ is present. Christ is not present because we preach. We preach because Christ is present. And um, I guess I would just say that, you know, for me and my ministry and the way that my life has has taken its course, uh, I would say that that is definitely true. Um, you preach out of an overabundance of what Christ has done in your life with the experiences that you have had with Christ, with the ways in which you have, have learned to lean upon God's word and the Holy Spirit uh, to be the very air that you breathe. And it's out of that abundance that you then have the audacity with humility to stand in some pulpit and, and, and say, uh, this is what thus saith the Lord. And to say that with conviction and clarity, um, there's a, a, a famous uh, a professor and theologian and pastor by the name of Phillips Brooks. And he, he talks about preaching occurring best through, through personality, which is just to say, 
you know, when you preach, it's, it's, it's not like you're supposed to go into a vacuum and, and, and morph into a different person, you know, uh, like your personality is supposed to be disconnected from the preacher that you are. Um, I am an introvert. Shout out to all my introverts out there. Um, I am someone who naturally uh, just loves, you know, sort of being alone sometimes, not all the time, but but I can be fine uh, with a book and, and just minding my own business. It does not hurt my feelings to, to be alone, so to speak. Um, and, and so sometimes people are uh, shocked if, if they see me preach because they're like, man, like he's, he's so like kind of on fire and he gets a little excited and that sort of thing. Um, but it's, it's not that, you know, sort of I'm two different people. Like, so, so before I get ready to preach, I go into a phone booth and close the door and then like come out with a totally different outfit on. And I'm like, you know, super preacher. That's, that's not really how it works. Even though I think sometimes that's a, the character or picture that we have of preaching. Um, I think preaching is, is done best as I, as I said, for Phillips Brooks sort of definition or description when we are, are using our personality um, and surrendering that to God. And so allowing God to refine that so that we can present his word in, in full uh, but doing it in a way that is authentic to who God has created us to be. Um, I guess I would just say maybe as I conclude, um, I am grateful to be here at Trinity Western. I'm still learning, uh, as anyone would, a lot about Canada and British Columbia in particular and Trinity Western and Langley uh, even more than that. Um, and so I look forward to being able to preach in chapel and being able to just get to know more students and faculty and staff. And I pray that God might use uh, whatever I share in chapel to bless your soul. Um, I know that it will challenge you at times. I hope that it also comforts you because that's actually what God's word does. It's not all about making us feel good all the time, even though it will provide comfort. Um, but it also uh, isn't about sort of, um, you know, having challenge uh, in, in every iteration uh, there's going to be a, a balance of both, and and God's word is is active and alive. It it does cut um, like a two edged sword, and as Scripture says. And so, I think uh, as much as we uh, want to engage culture with the gospel, we first have to engage uh, or allow Scripture to engage us individually. Um, and that means, you know, the 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 hidden things in our heart that that we don't want anybody to know about. We have to let God invade the the things uh, behind the scenes, the ways that we behave that maybe no one knows about, other than our roommate. That maybe no one knows about, um, other than those that are closest to us, or even that no one just knows about because they're they're inside of our heart and our mind, and uh, and those things that are broken. God actually does want to be. Uh, the gorilla glue that comes in and pieces us back together because of his his sacrifice through his Holy Spirit. And so I think that's what preaching does. It, it really gets at um, all of those things, pricks our hearts, and uh, hopefully sets us on a new trajectory to serve God with with everything that we have. So that's my, my word for today uh, about preaching. Uh, again, if you have any questions or want to learn more or have uh, just thoughts you want to share with me, I'm over here at Trinity Western. Uh, we're, we're, we're locked down a little bit today, but uh, not for forever. Again, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, so make sure that you, you live in a way that reflects that. God bless your heart and all your parts.